Welcome to the First Presbyterian Church New Bern podcast. My name is Paul Scott Chernitsky. I am your regular host, and I am joined today by a guest host. I'm joined by the one, the only, Vaughn Purnell. Hey, Vaughn. How's it going, Vaughn? Are uh, you ready to preach today? I am ready to preach today. Now, if you're a, if you're a super diehard podcast listener fan, Vaughn's been on the podcast before. I have. And I actually went back and I listened to it. Uh, and just to give everybody, to catch everybody up, you're born in Pennsylvania. That's true. And uh, you uh, were an ordained minister. I was. And then after a while, you moved to a corporate, the co- corporate job. I did. And then after that... You uh, moved here, right? 25 years ago. 25 years ago, and you worked at Mount Olive College? Yes, I, yes, I did. I was the director of the site here. And then now, are you retired? I am, 13 years. And then every time Anna skips town, she gets you in the hot seat. I am glad to be able to help her out. Any rest she gets, she deserves. Do you remember last time uh, when she was gone, it was Stewardship Sunday? I do remember. <laughs> I asked her, I said, is it Stewardship Sunday today? And that's why you got Vaughn back here? I I, I guess that was the last time. Um, and then, uh, yeah, how was it? Get ready. So we've been doing, she's been doing these, we always, her and I joke that like, why'd you make it so hard for yourself and do all these holy curiosities trying to answer every question uh, that the world has. She has a lot of energy. <laughs> so, are you doing a holy curiosity today? No, we're doing a we're doing a sermon on on the mount. And um, I remember one time I was teaching a New Testament course, and I was started to read this to the class, and I couldn't stop reading it because it's pretty interesting. Matthew five, six, seven. So um, I'm, we're going to actually Jesus's. It's Jesus' sermon this morning. I'm going to introduce it and then read um, 5, 6, 7, Matthew 5, 6, 7. And so really, Jesus is preaching this morning. Okay. Uh, do you enjoy being up there when, you, when you're a substitute preacher? After I get calmed down, about takes a couple minutes to calm down, then yeah. it's fun. Yeah. It's like being in the big game. Right. right. It takes a little bit. Good. Uh, the other thing Anna always talks about, and she mentioned it last week, is uh, the real reason is Vaughn's garden. Well, we've had a great garden this year. We have a 5,000-square-foot fenced-in garden because the deer will eat anything that you don't fence in. And mostly I'm concerned about tomatoes. And uh, this last year I've done some different things with amending the soil. Yes. I learned that there are all manure is not created equal. Okay. And there are only certain kinds and sources that work to promote tomatoes. Uh-huh. So we've got good tomatoes this year, and, and next year we're going to have a great asparagus crop. We had great blueberries and strawberries and blackberries, and it's it's been a good garden year. And of course, it's it's done now. I mean, yeah, everything's. Do you the, uh, do you plant anything for the fall garden, or you just take a break? Oh, I'll put some onions in or something like that, but I just take a break mostly. Five thousand—that's a big garden. Do you live in New Bern? Is that? We live out on Saints Delight Church Road, about six miles from the bridge. Okay, beyond. Bridgeton. Got it. Got it. So yeah, deer. Deer's a thing. Deer, there are lots of deer. Uh, yeah, the tomato amending soil thing. My tomatoes could have used some amended soil this year, but my dad doesn't do anything, and he gets amazing tomatoes every time, so I don't know. The soil has a lot to do with it. and You can get it tested. The county will test it for you and all that sort of thing, but... And the more you pay attention to weeding and watering, that helps too. Yeah, that so. helps. Uh, do you can anything? No. 
Oh. Well, we freeze blueberries. All right. We've got Pat freezes them, my wife. She frees uh she freezes them. I think we have fifty pints this year. Wow. Got probably got close to sixty pounds of blueberries. Uh do you reference any gardening in your sermon today? No. Oh, okay. Well. People have heard enough of it. <laughs> <laughs> they, you've given them enough uh, uh, vegetables over the summer. Yeah, I've been able to bring tomatoes in for the choir and take it into the YMCA. And Pat Rollette distributes tomatoes to YMCA. Great. Well, last thing then, uh, you're not a stranger to being filmed because we had to pre-record back in the day. But now you've got live cameras on you. How is that going to feel? I probably won't think a thing about it. Okay, perfect, good, because it's no big deal. But yeah, we've we've since the last time you preached, we've switched to the streaming. <clears throat> so what's going on this morning is happening, and people are seeing it live at that time. It is, so don't mess up. Oh, that I, I'll probably do something to <laughs> create some interest. <laughs> good, yeah, that's good. All right, Vaughn. Well, thanks, and we're always uh, happy to have someone else on the podcast and someone to come. Uh, preach when Anna's not here, and we wish Anna the best. She's in Wyoming, I guess. Yes, she's her at retreat. Some, some kind of camp that she's a board member of, or some, something. Yeah, like it sounds that, but pretty nice. I, it's probably a little bit cooler up there. Probably drier too. Yeah, exactly. All right, everyone. We hope you have a great week, and we will talk to you again next week with another guest host. I believe. I think we have Catherine Campbell next. Oh, week. oh, good. So have a great week. Thanks, Paul. In case you're wondering, I'm under doctor's orders not to wear a coat this morning. I saw, I saw Rad didn't have one on, and I asked him, and he said, you don't have to wear a coat this morning. <laughs>
That's a blatant commercial. Think about it. Did I get that right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Here's a personal observation. You know how at the start of the Kentucky Derby, when they load up those souped-up overbred horses into the gate and the horses are wild and wired, waiting for the bell to open so they can explode? That's what I think our church feels like right now. We have a very full program, new church administrator, new communications director, as Pat said, new organist, Daniel Sassone, new associate pastor, Patrick Ryan, and Anna will be cut back to one job. <laughs> September's almost here and we're almost off and running. And you're going to be glad you came to church this morning because you are going to hear the best sermon ever preached <laughs> in the history of Christendom. No, 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 no. I, I can say that because I'm preaching someone else's sermon. We are going to hear Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, the whole thing, without commercial interruption. We never hear it all at once. I know a lot of you have read it many times, but sermons are meant to be spoken, not read. And why am I doing this? Because sometimes I worry that with all we have going on here, and I love it all, we need to make sure that we keep Jesus out front. Jesus is more than Christmas and Easter. In this sermon, his sermon, you will hear familiar things, things you've heard a hundred times, one or two things you may never have noticed. You'll hear hymn titles and lyrics. You'll hear sayings that we quote regularly. You will hear harsh warnings and wild hyperbole. You will hear quotations from the Hebrew Bible. You will hear about praying and how to pray. You will hear about giving and how to give. You've heard me say, that's the last time I preached here, I said this. The first few chapters of Genesis give us stewards, the blueprint for our stewardship of the earth. The Sermon on the Mount gives us stewards, the blueprint for stewardship of the human race and how to care for each other, treat each other. And it's a far cry from pop psychology. Now as sermons go, this sermon might not make it in today's seminary preaching classes. It, it jumps around. It sometimes leaves the listener hanging or wanting more. But you have to remember the setting and I want you to try to picture that. Remember who Jesus was preaching to, the hoi polloi. And, and we, we kind of have a pejorative uh, interpretation of hoi polloi, but it's a simple Greek, the people. He was preaching to the people. And remember, there was no manuscript. And remember that G Matthew was the only gospel writer who actually maybe, probably, heard this sermon. And remember that Matthew was getting old by the time he dictated or personally wrote it down, and we all know what happens to memory when you get old. Plus, Matthew at points was, was speaking to, shading things, to appease his conservative, 
Jewish base. He could not afford to lose his base. So Matthew takes a decidedly Jewish Hebrew tint to, to his entire gospel, in fact. Surely, what you're going to hear is not the whole sermon. Crowds would not have come out to hear a 10-minute sermon. That's about all it is. And certainly, this is not the only time Jesus preached this sermon in whole or in part. In some ways, what we hear is a less polished, cohesive sermon and more like a compendium of Jesus' greatest sermon components. I'm going to resist trying to interpret anything. You can do that yourself. Most of it's pretty plain. That's the beauty of it. But there are two items we need to cover before we hear the sermon. One is a thorn, and the other is a rose. The thorn is what Jesus has to say about divorce. Anna touched on this a few weeks ago. I was hoping she'd solve all the problems and remove the thorn, but it's still there, and when you hear it, it will hurt. Everyone in this room has been touched by divorce. If not you yourself, then your parents, your siblings, your children, or dear friends. No one is pro-divorce. No one. Jewish law was anti-divorce. Jesus was anti-divorce. Nobody is pro-divorce. But divorce in Jesus' day was brutal. At least in our culture, we've taken away some of the worst effects of divorce. For better or for worse, we now have some laws and safeguards to protect spouses and children. That was not the case in Jesus' day. And we don't really know how Jesus' listeners interpreted what he said. We don't have any body language to go by. We don't have any voice inflection. Jesus was absolutely on firm biblical ground, both here and later again in Matthew, totally consistent with the divorce passages in Deuteronomy and Malachi. I can offer two options. One option is to conjecture that Jesus was coming down on divorce as Mosaic law commanded, but trying, intending somehow to insert some civility and compassion into divorce, especially for women, without contradicting the law. That's one possibility. The other option is for us to treat biblical divorce like we treat so many other options, laws, rules in the Bible. Laws like eating, not eating pork or shrimp or getting to work on the Sabbath and sheepishly we don't shave our sideburns, we don't mind getting a tattoo, we'll plant two kinds of seeds in the same field so we just kind of wink and move on. The problem is that early, you're going to hear it, early in the sermon, Jesus gives us a stern warning about doing that very thing. That's the thorn, what's the rose? <clears throat> 
After Jesus finishes the, the actual sermon, Matthew makes a stunning observation about Jesus' preaching. It's one of my favorite Bible verses. Matthew says that the crowd was astounded at this sermon because Jesus taught with authority, not like the scribes and Pharisees. Now, over the last 25 years, I, like you, have heard a lot of good preaching in this room. But I can't really say I was ever astounded because, because none of us who have preached from this intimidating pulpit preach on our own authority. None of us. We preach on the authority of Scripture just like the scribes and Pharisees did, not on our own authority like Jesus did. One learns that early in seminary, and you're reminded frequently, Jesus was different. He preached on his own authority. So try not to follow this along just as another long Bible reading. Try to feel it. Try to listen to hear this like an actual sermon preached to us because that's what it is. So Matthew chapters 5 through 7, buckle up. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they all be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the poor in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. People do not light a lamp and put it under the bushel basket. Rather, they put it on a lampstand and gives light to the all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. I've come not to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I say to you, <clears throat> until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter not one stroke of one letter will pass from the law until it's accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, 
<clears throat> unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You've heard it said to those in ancient times, you shall not murder. And whoever murders shall be put to judgment. But I say to you, that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or a sister, you will be liable to counsel. And if you say, you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go first and be reconciled to your brother or sister, then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you're on your way to court with him. Or your accuser may hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you'll be thrown into prison. And truly, I tell you, you'll never get out till you've paid the last penny. You've heard it said, <clears throat> you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Throw it away. It's better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go into hell. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that anyone who divorces his wife except on the ground of sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you've heard it said <clears throat> to those in ancient times, you shall not swear falsely, but carry out the vows you've made to the Lord. But I say to you, don't swear at all, either by heaven, for it's the throne of God, or by the earth, for it's his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the kingdom. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let your word be yes, yes, or no, no, any more than this comes from the evil one. You've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. But if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other cheek also. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, give him your coat as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go the second mile. Give to the one who asks of you and do not refuse anyone 
Who wants to borrow from you? You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and the good and he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Beware of practicing righteousness before others to be seen by them for then you will have no reward from your father in heaven so when you give alms do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and in the streets so that they may be praised by others truly I tell to you they've received their reward but when you give alms do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your alms may be done in secret and your father, who sees in secret, will reward you. And whenever you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and the street corners so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. When you're praying, <clears throat> do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then this way. Our Father in heaven, may your name be revered as holy. May your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive, as we have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. For if you forgive their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And when you fast, don't look somber like the hypocrites, for they mark their faces and show others that they're fasting. Truly, I tell you, they've had their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that your fasting may be seen not by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumed and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. 
If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Therefore, <clears throat> I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor weep nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And, and which of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, Solomon in all his glory is not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore, don't, don't worry saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? For it's the Gentiles who seek these things, and indeed your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble are enough for today. Do not judge so that you may not be judged. For the judgment you give will be the judgment you get, and the measure you give will be the measure you get. Why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye, but do not notice the log in your own eyes? How can you say to your neighbor, let me take that speck out of your eye, while the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. Do not give what is holy to dogs. And do not throw your pearls before swine. Or they will trample them underfoot and turn and maul you. Ask and it will be given to you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives and everyone who searches finds. Everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Is there anyone among you, if your child asked for bread, would give a stone? If the child asked for a fish, would give a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? In everything, do to others as you would have them do to you, for this is the law and the prophets. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road is easy that leads to destruction. And there are many who take it. For the gate is narrow and the road is hard that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Beware of, <clears throat> beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. 
Are grapes gathered from thorns or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree bears good fruit, but bad trees bear bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad fruit tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will know them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Go away from me, you who behave lawlessly. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on rock. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Now, <clears throat> when Jesus finished these sayings, finished saying these words, the crowds were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as their scribes. The word of the Lord. Go out into the world in peace. Blessed are the peacemakers. We just heard that. Be brave. Do not return evil for evil. Try to turn the other cheek. Try to go the extra mile. Those are our orders. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.